now with my dog, he goes to bed at 10 or 1030. Mm-hmm. And so that same time I put my phone down. And so I don't mm-hmm. look at my phone basically a half an hour before bedtime at least. But that has really helped my mental health when it came to social media. Mm-hmm. Because I realized that like I don't need to be present on it 24-7. Right. And like people can wait. What's up, everybody? We've got another episode of Spilling the Tea coming at ya. This week, I chat with Edmonton business owner and influencer Chelsea Glasgow. Chelsea runs her own lash and makeup business and recently launched her own makeup line of lipsticks and highlighters. Plus, Chelsea creates content on her personal Instagram to develop her brand as an influencer. In episode three, Chelsea and I talk about what it was like owning a business through the height of the pandemic, remarketing her business after the economic relaunch, and how to create content for an authentic brand presence. Chelsea and I also chat about new makeup trends her favorite makeup products, and growth hacks for establishing her business in the Edmonton market. If you want to hear more, without further ado, let's dive into it. Hello, and welcome to Spilling the Tea Podcast, Episode 3. I'm your host, Kathleen Smiley, and today joining me, we have Chelsea Glasgow, owner of Allure by Chelsea. Welcome. Thank you. Hello. Hello. How are you doing on this fine Monday, your day off? (laughs) My day off. I'm enjoying it. I'm doing good. Amazing. So why don't you kick us off and introduce yourself, who you are, and give us a rundown of what you do. Okay, so I'm Chelsea. I am the owner and operator of Allure by Chelsea. And I also have a storefront. It's Allure by Chelsea Studios. So basically, we do lashes, we do makeup. I started this journey when I was 19 years old. And I'm 24 now, so it's been five years. Oh, wow. And then I'm also what you, I guess you call an influencer on social media. Yeah, I girl. Always, <laughs> yeah, I always kind of like toy with that word because sometimes it just feels kind of weird to say out loud. But yeah, so I do like brand campaigns. I share my life on there, fashion, makeup, all that kind of stuff, traveling. And yeah. Amazing. And so why do you hesitate saying influencer? I don't know. Like, I feel like there's sometimes a little bit of like a connotation around it. I feel like it's still so new, but it's also not. I feel like influencing has been going on for a long time. Mm -hmm. In my eyes, I think that like if you have one follower, you have an influence on them. But I still toy with it because sometimes I feel like it's a newer term and people still don't really understand. So that's, I feel like why I toy with it. But also too, I think it's myself holding myself back kind of thing where I kind of just need to be like, yeah, I'm also an influencer and just own it. Yeah, totally. Like exactly what you just said. Like, hell yeah, I'm an influencer. Why not? Exactly. I mean, to be an influencer, like you said, we as humans have influence over people, especially like if you're talking about a product and things like that, like there's no accreditation for being an influencer. Maybe there will be eventually like a certificate, (laughs) but (laughs) right now, I mean, like everybody has influence, right? Exactly. And like, I know for myself, like I've been watching girls on YouTube and following on Instagram since Mm -hmm. I was in like junior high. And (laughs) I never doubted them. And I never was like, oh, that's weird that she does that. Yeah. Now that it's me, I'm kind of just like, all right, get over yourself and just go for it. Yeah. Just go for it. I say own it. Don't hold back. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's something that I've always needed to work on is I always just need to like get out of my own way kind of thing. I know. I love that quote. I think about that all the time. I'm like, you're the only one standing in your way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Put on the gas. (laughs) (laughs) Move. (laughs) Make way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's so funny. Okay. So tell me a bit about like why you got into makeup, your background in doing weddings and really like what inspired you to get into your own business. So I've always enjoyed makeup. I was that little girl where I always was like, my mom didn't really wear a lot of makeup, but Mm -hmm. from what she had, I would always like go in and steal it and like put on my lip gloss. And I would do the same thing with my cousin stuff. I was just always playing with it. 
Yeah. And then as I grew up more like high school and stuff like that, like I was always doing my friends makeup for parties and all that fun um, stuff. And I just really got into watching YouTube videos, like I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I kind of started teaching myself and then like exploring more with colors. Mm-hmm. And I started doing it also too, as like a way to express myself, but also like an outlet. Like if I was having like a anxious day or just wanted to like distract myself, I would find mm-hmm. myself sitting in front of my mirror and just putting on makeup. Really? And so yeah. So it kind of became like a creative outlet for me, but also it was like therapeutic. Yeah. Yeah. So then I was in university straight out of high school and I loved it. I loved everything I learned kind of thing, but I only did a year. Mm-hmm. And then I was 19 at the time. And I was like, you know what? I really love doing makeup. I kind of want to see if I can just full force try it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I was 19. It's so like lived at home, didn't have any crazy bills. It's not like I owned a house, didn't have an apartment. Yeah. A lot like of disposable my, income. <laughs> yeah. And like my car was paid off. So I was kind of yeah. like, well, I mean, if you're going to take it, you might as well take it now. Worst thing's worse. At least you gave it a try. Right. So I did. And then it kind of just flourished from there. Like I got into weddings and then I kind of wanted something a little bit like makeup is obviously year round, but it definitely can be more seasonal. Mm-hmm. So I wanted something a little bit more of like, I always say a nine to five. It's not a nine to five. I'm there from like nine to eight kind of thing. Yeah. So that's <laughs> nine to I, forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then come home, answer emails, like do my website, social media. So it really doesn't <laughs> end, but that's fun. I love it. But yeah, that's when I added lashes. Yeah. And then about a year after that, I launched my own makeup line. Yes. Um, yeah. And then since there, it's honestly kind of snowballed. I've learned things along the way. Like I said, I obviously didn't finish university. So I don't have like a business degree or like marketing or anything like that. So I've kind of just had to teach myself along the way or ask people along the way. And obviously like you make mistakes, but at the same time, like I don't think I would have grown nearly as much if I didn't do it that way. Yeah. I kind of just had to build it from the ground up. Yeah. Those mistakes that you make, then you learn from them and you build from them. And like, there are always those blessings in disguise, you know? No, exactly. And anytime anyone asks me questions when they're starting a business, I'm like more than happy to answer them because I was in that spot and I still am sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So let's go into your makeup line. So I know that you launched a series of lip glosses and some matte lipsticks, and then you've got bronzers, you've got highlights. So dive in, take us into launching those lines. So I have velvet matte lipsticks. I have Mm -hmm. some liquid lipsticks, lip glosses, Mm -hmm. a highlighter and a highlighting palette. Mm. I want to launch a bronzer, but I haven't yet. I was going to in June, but then COVID, everything with that happened. So it's kind of been pushed back, but that should be coming soon. I'm very excited about it. But yeah, so basically, obviously, like I mentioned before, I've always loved makeup and I've always thought it would be so cool to have something that was my own that I can Mm -hmm. offer. Mm-hmm. So I came out with lipsticks first because to me, lipsticks is something that's traditional. It's always been and like always will be kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I went for a velvet matte because uh, I wanted it to be like a creamy texture, but also mm-hmm. like not shiny kind of thing. Yeah. So my whole thing when I was starting this was I was obviously clueless. I had never made like a brand, <laughs> like a product before. I was yeah. like, well, how the hell do people do this? <laughs> so it honestly took just like hours and hours of research. But my main things, and I really wanted to stick by them. I really wanted it to be sourced from North America. I really wanted it to be cruelty free. Mm-hmm. And then little things like 
the scent to me. I needed it to smell good. I hate when you go to put on a product on your face mm-hmm. and it smells gross. And you're like, what is this chemical? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It smells like plasticky or like rubbery. So yeah. That was a big thing for me. And then the obvious things like I needed to have good color payoff, good wear, things like that. So I actually found a factory in Canada, which was even cooler for me because oh, I was amazing. like it's sourced from my own country. So yes, yeah, so I found a factory in Ontario and started working with them. And basically I started off by ordering samples. Mm-hmm. And then when they came in, like I obviously tried them, but then I gave some to my friends and family, basically just told them to wear them and just tell me everything that they thought about them. Like, how long did it yeah. last on you? Like, did you have any reactions? Did it bleed like the color bleeding? Not mm-hmm. you actually bleeding. <laughs> like, <'cause> I <laughs> Did have- this product make you bleed? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I do have a couple of reds. So I just wanted to make yeah. sure that they didn't bleed. So I went from there and then I launched the lipstick. And then the other main reason too, why I wanted to start off with a lip product is because with brides, I was noticing that I was constantly getting asked like, oh, what lipstick is this? Do you have an extra that I can purchase? Or like, is there one that you recommend I go purchase? And I was like, why don't I just offer my own? Totally. Because then it's my brand, it's my product and it's something I stand behind. But also too, I can just yeah. be like, yeah, for an additional like $20 onto your service. And like, mm-hmm. they're already spending hundreds of dollars on like their wedding party makeup. Right. So yeah. What's an extra little bit. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know everybody does count kind of thing, but at the end of the day, like if it's something that they can just touch up throughout the day and not have to go out of their way to buy. So that's why I started off with that. And then I kind of went from there. That's when I came out with liquid lipsticks, lip glosses. And then my favorite product ever is highlighter. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. Why highlighter? I love how it makes people glow. And it's one Glow of those up. things. Yeah, it's one of those things where like people just put it on, and whether they wear makeup or they don't, they just radiate. And I love how that one little product makes people feel so good. So yeah, that's I can why totally I agree made with that. that. Amazing. And so then you got bronzers on deck, and yeah. then do you think you'll do eyeshadows or concealers or foundations or anything like that too? I don't know. That's something I've always toyed with. I'm not sure exactly how big I want to expand it. I think that that's mm-hmm. going to be something that I'll explore over the next couple of years. Yeah, but I would definitely be interested in it, but I'm just not a hundred percent sure yet. But also too, because I am so ridiculously picky about products. Like if it's an eyeshadow, it needs to be extremely pigmented. It can't have fallout. If it's like mm. a foundation, there's just so many different things that you get into when you bring out like a skincare product or like a skin product. Mm-hmm. When it comes to foundation, people have so many different undertones, so many different textures of skin. Right. So that's just something that I think will take longer to develop because I want it to be perfect. Exactly. It's something that you're putting your stamp on. So you need to make sure that it's going to be exactly what you need it to be. And then it also falls under your brand. So, oh my gosh, that would be tricky. Even like skin types, like oily skins, like combo skins, dry skins. It's like, how can one product ever match the varying types of skin that we have? Like, exactly. That would be so tricky. Even like, I'll try like a foundation and I'm like, nope, this doesn't work for me because I have like a combo sort of, I feel like some days my skin is oily, some days it's matte and sometimes they're dry. And then you're just like, what, what's going to work for me? (laughs) Yeah, I feel you. I definitely have those days as well. I think if anything, if I were to ever dive into more skin products, I think I would probably start off with something like a tinted moisturizer, like a CC cream. I personally, my favorite makeup product for your skin is the It Cosmetic CC cream. It's Mm. like full coverage. So it looks like a foundation, but it does not feel like it. And um, yeah, it's not heavy at all. And it lasts so long. It's just my favorite. So if I ever did anything like that, it would probably start off with like a tinted moisturizer or CC cream. Ah, very cool. And so like in terms of eyeshadow colors, what kind of colors are you most drawn to? 
definitely warm tones, always towards warm tones. Oh, amazing. And then what yeah. kind of brands are your favorite? What um, sort of brands have you been loving lately? So like I mentioned before, It Cosmetics is super good when it comes to the CC cream. Mm-hmm. A brand that I always stand behind and I love their products, everything they launch. It's called Morphe. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's affordable, but mm-hmm. the color payoff and the quality of the product is top notch. So mm-hmm. if you were to like look in my makeup kit, like my professional bridal kit, all my eyeshadow palettes are Morphe because mm. they're like $30 Canadian oh. and you've got 30 shades in there. And they're so good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I really That's love like a that. dollar per shade. I'll take that. <laughs> Literally. It's such a good company. And I swear to God, everything they release is always good. And then, yeah, when it comes to like bronzers and stuff, aside from the one that I want to launch, yeah. I like Too Faced. They okay. really good stuff. Yeah. And for yep. blushes, Tarte and NARS have really good stuff. Oh, amazing. Are there any Canadian owned and operated makeup brands? There's a lot. Yeah. It's just oh, when there? it comes to like something like Sephora, you're not going to find a lot in there. Oh, because, really? Um, yeah. Especially too, because like a lot of these brands are owned by like one big brand. Mm, gotcha. So I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's Estee Lauder who owns a bunch of other brands that are oh. sold in Sephora. So they kind of run the show. They're not yeah. going to bring a lot of like other smaller Canadian brands to the big show. <laughs> From what I know. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn. I know, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. So in terms of creating your content for your Instagram and then also for your business, like because you've done so many different avenues, like you said, there's makeup, there's bridal, there's how-tos, there's lashes. Like how do you curate that content for your personal Instagram feed and then also for your business? <laughs> so this is something I feel like I've struggled with for like a few years kind of thing. Yeah. But I feel like I'm all silly when it comes to this, but I have three Instagram accounts. So Do one you? of them, yeah. So one of them, it's private and it's literally just my family and friends to follow because like I post mm-hmm. pictures of my dog, my goddaughters, my boyfriend on there. And so that's just something that I don't want the whole world to see. Cause like mm-hmm. for instance, my goddaughter, she's four and her sister's one. Yeah, yeah. So they're little, right? So that's my private life. I just like post whatever on there. And then I mm-hmm. obviously have Allure by Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So that one started off where I was posting a lot of makeup and like mm-hmm. a lot of tutorials and clients. And then yeah. when I would post pictures of myself or like what I was doing, I noticed that those got a lot more engagement. Mm-hmm. So that's when I made the separate Allure by Chelsea Studios page. And that page is strictly for like business. That's strictly for bridal clients to look at. That's where you'll find all pictures of makeup and lashes. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I kind of separated them. And yeah. then Alert by Chelsea, like obviously has makeup and how to's, but it's more so just me and like what I'm doing. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. And so then how do you keep up with creating all that content? If you've got Alert by Chelsea, you're creating content there. And then Alert by Chelsea Studios, you're creating content there. Like how do you keep that content creation going? How do you keep inspired? Like what are your takeaways that you've been finding in terms of curating two different account content? So Alert by Chelsea Studios, I honestly find pretty easy. Mm -hmm. because like I said, how it's just basically client stuff. So I just get me or my employees to take pictures of their lash work and their brows and everything like that when they do it. And Mm -hmm. then I kind of will edit the photo in a little collage and post. And it's just super easy when it comes to that. And when it comes to makeup, like the photographers often send me the pictures that they took. Mm -hmm. So I find my studio's page is pretty easy to run. To keep that going, keep the wheels in motion. Yeah, it's more so like my influencer page that I struggle with the most just because I work at my business full time, right? Right. So I can't just be like shooting all the time. So what I find that has worked the best for me is I have batch photo days. Mm. So Saturday, I went out with my friend Sydney and we went and took 
pictures and I basically had four different outfits. Okay. And we just busted them out in an hour kind of thing. <laughs> You're like, next shirt on, next pair of pants on. <laughs> yeah. So that'll now give me about a week's worth of content. And then today, since it's my day off, I'm also shooting this evening with another friend and I'm again going to bring three to four looks. So that helps me for my next two weeks to have content. Gotcha. So that's something I'm trying to hold myself a little bit more accountable for because I definitely can find that I get overwhelmed or stressed. You normally can see because I won't be posting because <laughs> I'll be doing <laughs> other things in life. Yeah. So I've been holding myself accountable to try to at least have one content day a week. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And then when it comes to like inspiration, honestly, like I just click on the hashtags that I use and I just mm-hmm. see what other people are posting and get inspiration from people that I follow and that I look up to. Totally. And I kind of just go from there. And honestly, like to me, the biggest thing is authenticity. So like if something isn't me, I'm not going to do it. Right. So I just found that that has helped me the most. Yes. You niche down, you find that brand that you're sort of trying to cater to your audience. And then it's easier to make that content. Now, do you ever get stuck? Like, do you ever feel like uninspired? Oh, all the time. All the time. (laughs) Like like multiple times a month, basically. (laughs) especially going through like a pandemic the last three months, did you feel like more inspired during that time? Cause you're at home, you had more time to think or to create or to play around or were you just like, Oh my God, how are we going to do this? I honestly felt less inspired. And the yeah. other thing too, that I really struggled with was I was like, Oh, well I could do something like this, but mm-hmm. then so many things that I was like, Oh, that's cool. were not authentic to me. Right. And so I didn't do it. I feel like I could have created more contact during quarantine, but I was just so stuck and everything I wanted to do just seemed like not me. So I just didn't do it. Yes, but then like, where t- do I go? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause that's the thing that kind of sucks because people come to your page and they want to see you posting things. And they're just like, dude, you're not posting. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm not feeling well, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> so that's something that I definitely struggled with, but I also kept reminding myself that this is something that none of us have really ever gone through. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not like your typical uninspired kind of thing where you're just uninspired for like a week. It was three months of it. Yeah. That you're like, I "I can't really leave my house and I don't really have anywhere to go. So yeah. And so I kind (laughs) of just like, I tried just not to be too hard on myself and I tried to create some content at home kind of thing, but I definitely was underperforming during those three months. I think we all were. Yeah. It was hard to adapt, like from waking up, you know, every morning at 6am to go to the gym, get ready, running out the door, like dog fed, dog walked, going to work. The amount of times that your day is separated by minutes to like the next thing that you're doing to then having literally very little to do. I find it super, super difficult. And then now I'm even finding, and I don't know if you're experiencing this as well, moving outside of the home to the real world. I feel like my social skills are in a weird funk, like an other overshare or (laughs) I have like no social skills at all. And I'm not picking up on social cues. (laughs) I don't know when to stop talking or I don't know when to respond. Have you experienced that? Yeah. Coming back into 110% have. And also my anxiety has been super bad. So yeah, I've definitely been struggling with that a little bit. And something to feel like I've been a little bit disappointed in with myself is during quarantine, I definitely started to find a rhythm and I definitely started to find like a self-care rhythm. Mm -hmm. I got a puppy during quarantine and he kind of, yeah, he kind of taught me to get into like a little bit more of like a routine, which was then benefiting my mental health. But then the second I opened again, I just went back to full force, normal Chelsea, just like put your head down and just work, work, work. Mm -hmm. I would say the first week of July, I just like had a meltdown because I was like, I'm not taking care of myself anymore. Like it kind of just hit me. So I've definitely been struggling, but I've been starting to find the mojo again. 
to get back into that rhythm and like even owning a business and then marketing that business and then marketing yourself as an influencer. Like there's a lot of public pieces to your life. How do you continue to create content and then continue influencing, managing your business, but then at the same time, take care of your mental health? Like where are you finding that balance lives now? I'm finding that quarantine kind of helped with that. Mm -hmm. Because before quarantine, I would be on my phone like a lot. And before bedtime was like yeah. a big one. Yeah. I'd just be scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And it was super mindless. Well, like I thought it was mindless, but it was actually affecting me quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And so now with my dog, he goes to bed at 10 or 1030. Mm -hmm. And so that same time I put my phone down. And so I don't mm -hmm. look at my phone basically a half an hour before bedtime at least. But that has really helped my mental health when it came to social media. Mm -hmm. Because I realized that like I don't need to be present on it 24 seven. Right. And like people can wait. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'm always trying to find a balance with social media and my mental health just because it can be a little bit overwhelming. And something that I have been trying to work on is just either I don't want to sound bad when I say this, but either unfollowing or muting accounts that no longer inspire me or that mm -hmm. make me feel, for instance, bad about me. Like maybe I'm just like, oh, she has X, Y, Z and I don't have that kind of thing. Right. And that's not a her thing or like the person's thing. That's a reflection of myself. So right. that's kind of when I check in and I'm like, okay, but is that actually something you want? Or is it just something that Instagram is showing right now, but that actually wouldn't serve you in life? That wouldn't serve you. Yes, exactly. I love that yeah, statement. So yeah. something that I've trying to been working on with my mental health and balance when it comes to social media is just checking in and remembering who I am and if it's actually something that I would want. And right. also too, nobody else is me. Right. My biggest, biggest thing that I've ever been taught is comparison is the biggest thief of joy. Mm -hmm. So I just really try to tune into that when I feel like I'm getting overwhelmed with social media. Totally. And I feel like there's this trend or an upheaval on Instagram saying Instagram versus reality. And a lot of yeah. influencers are saying this is a curated feed that has presets that's got, you know, pre-planned content that's got a bunch of stuff like this isn't real life. Do you find that you're having your conversations with others or even with yourself to know that this is Instagram, this is what it's yeah. meant for, but it's not in any means necessarily like quote unquote real life? Yeah, I feel like I've actually always been pretty good with that. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've been pretty good with staying true to myself and Obviously what I post on my feed, yeah, it's going to look nice. But I feel like yeah. when it comes to like my stories, I've always been very good at just being in the moment and posting like reality. Yeah. But I'm like a strong, firm believer and really try to advocate for the fact that like, yeah, Instagram isn't real life. If mm -hmm. you see a picture of me and mm -hmm. I look a certain way, it's probably because I got good lighting. I'm posed a certain way rather than like, yeah, if I sit down, I have stomach rolls just like everyone else. I have cellulite. <laughs> like these are all things that we look at. I feel like we look at fitness pages and we're like, oh, why don't we look like that? That's not real life. Yeah, kind of thing. Totally. Like those pictures are mostly taken first thing when they wake up. They haven't eaten yet. We're not bloated mm -hmm. from like eating dairy or something. <laughs> <laughs> the nemesis. <laughs> yes, I'm lactose intolerant. So I'm allowed to say that it definitely <laughs> makes me bloated. <laughs> Preach. Oh my God. I'm not, I'm not a nutritionist. So I'm not going to say that everyone's going to be like that. But for me. Well. I mean, if you eat a block of cheese, you're probably going to be bloated. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's just what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so funny. So we're halfway through, I guess we're more than halfway through 2020. And now you've relaunched your studio, the storefront portion of your business. What kind of trends do you foresee coming for the next half of 2020? When you say trends, are you thinking like social media? Are you thinking like with my business, for instance, like makeup wise, like what are you gearing towards kind of thing when it comes to trends? I would say makeup wise, like let's talk business for your business specifically. Like we're coming into the middle of summer, you know, we're coming into the fall. 
My question is a little bit around, this is also wedding season. Like, do you have brides coming in? What does that look like for you? So my 2020, yeah, was definitely flipped upside down, kind of like everyone else's. Mm-hmm. I'll answer the trends part first. So okay. I see fluffy brows continuing to be a thing. Really? Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've heard of brow lamination and tinting kind of thing. Yeah. Like, like kind of very, like pointing up. Yeah. I have mine done right now, but I have it a little bit more subtle because I have yeah. the front part of my brow up and then my tail is still down. Yeah. That's just the personal look that I wanted. But mm-hmm. I just see that still continuing to be a thing, especially coming into the fall. Because I feel like when it switches to the fall, people always are like a little bit more experimental with their looks. Because they can so stay like, inside. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that and also too, I just feel like the colors change. We want to go our hair a little darker. We want to gotcha. like yeah. wear a darker lip kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I definitely see the fluffy brows staying. Mm-hmm. So that's a really big thing that I think is going to continue. And then when it comes to brides and stuff. So Mm -hmm. yeah. So my wedding season normally goes from May to November. Mm -hmm. Every wedding except for two from May until September were canceled. Oh my goodness. So my two, I should have said three. July 24th, I have a very small wedding of like three people because again, if people are getting married this summer, they had to scale back. Yeah. So I'm going out of town to do that one on the 24th. I'm Mm -hmm. going to Camrose. And then on the 25th, One of my bridal clients, her wedding is moved to next year, but she's still doing the ceremony. So I will have one. (laughs) And then on August 31st, I have a sunrise wedding. It's an elopement. So again, just like her and her mom. And that will be at 4 a.m. But other than that, everything. 4 a.m. My goodness. (laughs) Everything has been pushed back to this fall. So I'm pretty busy from September to November still, which is great. But everything else has been pushed to 2021. So Some people are just like, oh, but that's fine because your 2021 will be super busy. And I'm like, well, it will. But the thing is, it's already almost booked. Technically, I'm still missing a full wedding season because now my 2021 is all my 2020 clients. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's not like you can overbook, you know, because if it's just you, you can only work so quickly. (laughs) Exactly. And like for some weddings, I do bring on an assistant and she's great. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing. It's like, how many weddings can you take on in a day? (laughs) Especially when I find the bridal parties are getting bigger and bigger. Like a lot of people are getting eight people's makeup done or like 10 people's makeup done where I feel like my first few years, it was anywhere from like two to five. Yeah. Why is that? I actually noticed that some of my girlfriends got married a couple of years ago and then I have one coming up in May and the bridal parties are like six bridesmaids. Is that a trend? Like, is that something new that people are doing? I thought weddings were getting smaller, but it doesn't seem like that. (laughs) I thought they were too. And like, I swear for 2017 and 2018, they were. Mm -hmm. And then 2019, they were definitely bigger. And then Mm -hmm. my bookings for 2020, I had to bring on an assistant for like quite a few of them. And now it's pushed to 2021. There's a lot of bridal parties. I have a lot of people and I don't mind because to me, I'm like, that's more people I get to glam up. Like, I'm excited. But also, mm-hmm. too, is people's moms are getting their makeup done. The mother of the groom is getting their makeup done, stuff like that. Even if you have a wedding party of six people plus you, that's seven. And the next thing you know, it's like nine or 10 people are getting their makeup done. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And now in terms of social media trends or like marketing trends, like what do you foresee coming down the pipeline for the next half of this year? So I think that people are kind of going to shift their marketing. And like I was saying, like I'm really interested in trying to take more marketing courses online because I know that I have to completely shift my marketing just with everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I said this earlier, where like I feel like I'm at the beginning where I have to target a new audience, at least when it comes to business. Because yeah, unfortunately, like some of our clients did lose their job and this is like a luxury industry. So it's Mm -hmm. the first thing you cut out. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely going to have to reteach myself marketing when it comes to a new audience. And yeah, with social media, I think I see a lot of marketing when it comes 
to, again, I'm going to use this word, but authenticity. I've noticed a Mm -hmm. lot of people are just starting to be a little bit more of themselves and not like curating their feed as much. Mm -hmm. There still is people who curate their feed and that's totally fine because it looks awesome. But like, I've really never been someone where I can fully curate my feed just because I just like to post what I want to post kind of thing. I'm definitely seeing people start to kind of show a little bit more of themselves, which I personally love. Yeah. And also too, like not marketing, but I guess when it comes to like posting, we recently just went through like a huge human rights and civil movement. I feel like a lot of people are going to start posting about standing up for what they think is right. And that's not necessarily marketing, but I think that people are going to start using their platform for bigger, better reasons, which I fully stand behind. Absolutely. Now, do you think it's as an influencer, because some influencers or some businesses, especially when like Black Lives Matter movement was really at the height of the movement. Do you think if you have a social platform that you should be saying something? So I personally, and obviously this is just my opinion, this isn't the textbook answer. I personally think that like, you can definitely do your actions behind the scenes, obviously Mm -hmm. sign petitions, donate, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Mm Because I did see obviously a lot of mixed reviews, people saying like, oh, if people are doing the work behind the scenes, like leave them alone. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't think you need to bully people into it. That's never right at all. Mm -hmm. But I think that it's your duty as a citizen. If you have a platform, I think that you need to be using it. And I post about fashion and makeup, but you bet I'm going to be talking about racial injustice if it's happening, Mm -hmm. which it is, right? Because I just think that there could be someone, one of my followers, who's either uneducated on the topic, Mm -hmm. who grew up thinking it was a certain way and needs to relearn how it Mm -hmm. should be. And I think that if I can give that opportunity for someone to learn and someone to change their mind and do what's right, then of course I'm going to be doing that because I have nearly 7,000 followers Mm -hmm. and a lot of them are young. A lot of them are older, but like my average age range is around my age, anywhere Mm -hmm. from like 18 to 25. Yeah. We are the future. 100%. So I think that if you have a platform, I think you needed to be talking about it. And I think you need to continue to talk about it. Yeah. Say a lot of people were kind of like, I don't really talk about politics. I'm like, it's not politics. That's I think what people were getting confused about is I was like, this isn't politics. I get it. If you don't want to talk about politics, that's fine. I was like, this is human rights. Now, like from a marketing perspective, going through a huge social rights movement, as well as a worldwide pandemic, what have been your key takeaways from all of this? I guess when it came to like marketing during all of this, something that I've taken away is that people are going to unfollow you. For instance, like during COVID, when I wasn't posting a lot, I definitely lost followers. And then during the whole Black Lives Matter movement, which is still going to continue for a long time, I also Mm -hmm. definitely lost followers. Mm -hmm. But to me, A, during quarantine, I wasn't posting as much just because I mentally wasn't there. And so like, I think that that's okay. And then also too, me losing followers about posting what's right, totally okay with that as well. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to marketing, like during those kind of things, I think that again, you just need to stay true to yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think a big thing with marketing, I could be wrong. Like I said, I don't have a degree in this, but I think that if you are posting things and if you are marketing things that are important to you and people can see and feel your passion behind something, you're constantly going to grow. Absolutely. Yes. Like, I think it's very easy to sense fakeness and inauthenticity online, even though we're behind a screen, I still think it's easy to tell. And so I think when it comes to marketing during a pandemic, during a human rights movement, staying true to yourself, I Mm -hmm. think that's always going to win. Absolutely. Now, I won't take up too much more of your time, but I will ask you one final question. Do you have any advice for any other Canadian entrepreneurs or creators looking to either start their own business or to be inspired from? I don't know. I feel like other Canadian entrepreneurs and businesses, I always think support local. 
That's mm-hmm. a big thing. Network within your community. Networking has always helped me. And mm-hmm. I think that you just need to be determined and stay strong. And again, stay strong to like what you believe in. But honestly, just supporting other local businesses, other local entrepreneurs, other Canadian businesses is a big thing. Because when you show your support, obviously, they're going to try to support you back. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Amazing. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to share before we wrap up? No, I think I'm good. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me for episode three, Chelsea. We have officially spilt the tea and I will let you get on with the rest of your day off. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you guys so much for joining me and I will see you in our next episode. Bye. Spilling the Tea podcast is brought to you by Local Laundry. Made for creators, influencers, marketers, and entrepreneurs, each episode we spill the tea on new marketing tips and tricks while laundering insights from guests and hanging local laundry insider secrets out to dry. Wash up on your marketing, creating, and influencing know-how and stay tuned for new episodes and weekly chitter chatter.